your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on International Business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Hi, welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode number 64. Again, we have someone new. Of course, we have someone new. Well, that's an open door, of course. Her name is Audrey Mezas, and um, this is... We're going to talk about expatriation, and I don't think I've ever done that on the Culture Matters Podcast. And this week's guest is Audrey Mezas, as I said before. She's the Dutch owner of Expat in Amsterdam. She's an expat-slash-executive personal assistant to athletes, professors, families, international entrepreneurs, and business executives. The difference between Audrey and, say, a relocation company is that she delivers tailor-made personal service for each of her clients and accompanying them almost everywhere they need to be. Audrey also trains teams in executive excellence and has moved 17 times and lived on four continents. Audrey is the expat in Amsterdam. It's an interview with uh, uh, a nice personal introduction, good stories as well, and good advice. The three tips at the end are definitely worth listening to, especially if you are uh, an expat. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, Audrey. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. No problem. It's a pleasure. It's been a long time. Uh, It's a long time since we've actually talked, and you're one of the few guests on this podcast that um, I've actually met in person. Most of the people that I I sort of come across and that you can listen to to this Culture Matters podcast uh, sort of um, uh, appear on my path and I find them interesting so I I contact them. But you and I actually met at an expat fair in Amsterdam. Was it two years ago already? I think it was. We did. We did actually meet. It was two years ago. Yeah. It was quite a quite funny meeting because I think I was placing some advertising material around and we just got into uh, a great conversation. Yes, you did. And we were. Yes, absolutely. Um, can you tell us, because I know somewhat about you and I know what this conversation is going to be about more or less, but possibly it makes sense to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself. Where do you come from? Where are you now? And sort of paint for us your cultural frame of reference, please. Okay, nice way of putting it. Uh Well, my name, and my friends call me Audrey. Uh My mom calls me Audrey Lynn, so there's a difference right there. (laughs) Yes. My last name is Mazes. My company's called Expat in Amsterdam. Uh And what I do is I pretty much concisely tell people that I start where the relocation advisor stops, Uh which means there are three ways of um, doing business with myself. Um, I am an expat personal assistant for private people, uh, which means expats that are CEOs, CEOs, um, executives that are hired to stay in the Netherlands for uh, a few years. The company or either the family or the people themselves, they hire me to make sure that I am almost like a shadow and uh, on a niche basis organize things very quickly. Instead of relocating in a year, you relocate in a month. The other thing, and it's funny how I start with business because that's typically me. I'll get back to myself in just a second. Um, I always, and my friends tell me, you know, even when you're privately, we're talking, you're talking business. True. Mm, Yeah. 
Um, I also work as an executive personal assistant, which means that companies hire me um, to make sure actually that the deal gets done. So a CEO, CFO, someone important comes, a new client, they like to reel them in, and I make sure I'm there at the airport, it starts. And I, I can always go into detail more further later. Um, the third thing I do is I, uh, since uh, not too long ago, I was asked to give a training in executive excellence, mm -hmm. which means that a team, this was at a sports company, a team gets trained by myself to become more aware of what it's like and what the different, um, you know, ideas are and backgrounds are, how to deal with international clients. And these uh, happen to be athletes and all kinds of people, mm -hmm. but they could be business people. Okay. Well, as far as myself is concerned, um, I am 50 years old. Mm -hmm. Life starts at 50. <laughs> yes. It used to be 40. Now it's 50. It used to be 40. Well, they say now 50 is the new 40, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I live in Amsterdam. I was born here. Okay. Uh, You might sound here a little bit of an American. I actually am a chameleon because depending on whom I speak to, my accent um, changes quite often. Okay. I was born here um, in Amsterdam and I left at the age of 10 with my parents to travel the world as an expat. My father was a banker and we moved anywhere from one to two to five years, um, 17 times on four continents. My goodness. Okay. So my tagline's been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What, what's the, um, um, you said you sound American. Is that because of your, your uh, expert education or is there somewhat American in your family as well? There, um, well, first of all, my parents are uh, international. My mom and my brother live in Portland, Oregon right now in the United okay. States. My brother's been raised almost uh, all of his life in America. Uh -huh. My father lives in St. Martin. I went to school in Florida for about seven years, high school and the two years of um, college. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's where the American part comes um, and the probably the accent comes. I also um, have... Um, kind of a dual uh, parallel job in which I am uh, a member, an active member, very active for the American Women's Club. And so on a daily pay basis, not only a lot of my clients are American, but the people mm. and my friends are American. So that's, I guess, sometimes I speak more English. It's mm. most of the time more easy for me to speak English than Dutch. Yeah, yeah, it sort of gets professional. I mean, it's, it's a, it's to some extent a professional, uh, a positive professional deformation in a way. Well, thank you. If that makes any I've sense. I've never been that way before. I mean, a deformation couldn't be good, but if it's positive, you know, sort of do a positive twist. So you grew up in 17 countries in four continents. What, what's well, the I'll tell you, I didn't move to 17 countries, okay. but I, because within some countries, I moved several times also. Oh, right. Okay. Like, say, Australia, when I first yeah. started with my parents, the first few years were with my parents, and then they left for Saudi before me, uh, and I stayed at boarding school in uh, uh, Bathurst, another re relocation four hours from Sydney. So mm. I've done that in many countries. So. Okay, all right. What's as a kid? I guess what's what's your your best your best memory, your most beloved memory, or the thing that stuck growing up like that? I think the best thing is also sometimes one of the worst things because the best things you're interesting when you're new in the class and everyone's it's kind of like animals, you know, they're like uh -huh. sniffing. Oh, this person's new. Where do you come from? And it's interesting. Uh, the best thing can also be difficult because being new means having to adjust all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, the most wonderful thing is to be able to live in places such as Australia and Tahiti and all over the world and learn the languages and, and see beautiful areas. Mm -hmm. um, 
Another thing is uh, what you learn when you're younger, uh, you use when you're older. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, one of the things, uh, which is why I love what I do, is it makes me a chameleon. I can easily switch, um, you know, etiquettes, habits, you know, culture, which is um, kind of handy in my job. Yes, I can. I can imagine absolutely. It's the, the the. I would reckon basically you're you're an Amsterdammer. Yeah. yeah. Is it Amsterdammer <laughs> or is it Amsterdamse? Because uh, that's the things my mom teases me about. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I don't know. I don't. I, I know what I remember is the first time we actually met. I asked you a couple of words to translate from from Dutch to I English, remember. and that's we sort of couldn't agree on what we just didn't know what the right word was. Exactly. Um, so I'm not really. You, you are an Amsterdamse, but I think, uh-huh. um, I think for the Amsterdammers, you would be an Amsterdammer. I'm fine. I'm if, glad if that if that makes any sense. So would you have a Dutch passport then? Yes, I do. Okay, and then it could, uh, then because that doesn't make sense to the extent that that's a piece of paper. Then, mm-hmm. if I would ask you uh, where you're from, you would say, uh, "Well, Amsterdam or the Netherlands." But what culture would you consider yourself having? Well, I truly consider myself half Dutch, half American. Okay, I do. Yeah, okay. it's the way I think. I realize it um, many times when I. Um, deal with my Dutch friends or clients and um, because we do obviously have clients uh, here in the Netherlands as Dutch companies but when I'm with Americans I feel very much as home which yep. is correct because I think equally those are the two countries that I spent the most time in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then uh, one last personal question and we'll move on to your business because that's interesting as well because that actually was a trigger for me to contact you and see and, and do this interview. It's, it's um, okay, so you're half being having a Dutch passport, you're half. You consider yourself being half Dutch, half American. What keeps you in the Netherlands? Having seen so much of the world and having seen so many beautiful places, what keeps you in a, in a rainy location like like Amsterdam or the Netherlands? <laughs> um, well, first of all, I have a 16 year old daughter, uh-huh. so that that kind of helps to yes, keep you in it does. place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think that um, um, having um, a child will not only whether you travel or not obviously make you settle and you know become rested and make some um very important extra choices um on the other hand it's the one thing i know um she's always told me mom as soon as i'm done with school i'm gonna go to the states and visit you know grandma and my Mm -hmm. brother everywhere if she's like me then um which i think there's certainly a lot in there Mm -hmm. and like her father also she loves to travel i think as soon as she gets older um, well, obviously, my business keeps me here, um, but it will not refrain me from traveling more because yeah. we have been doing that. The older she gets, the the more there's travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm just curious. I mean, because if, if I can imagine that you could you could pick another place, even I reckon you could move to the states. But that then again, I mean, it's it's of course always a choice. And kids, they they uh, sort of anchor you to some extent to a location. That makes sense. yeah. Well, it's a good bridge to your to the business question because if you ask me where I want to be in a few years, yeah. then you are right. Um, I did not. Um, obviously, I did intentionally think of expatinamsterdam.com. Uh-huh. Um, it could be, you know. The fact, the word of the company expat in Amsterdam actually pertains to me, which I don't mean to be, you know, walking around with my nose in the air, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it could be anywhere. 
because yeah. an expat is someone wherever they are at that time. Sure, and that and that business experience is something that you can you can take with you as a template, you. and yeah, yeah, that makes good sense. You mentioned that earlier in your inter- <clears throat> excuse me in your introduction as well that you provide your service after the re- relocation people have left. What mm-hmm. what does a relocation person do that you don't do, and what do you do that they don't do? We kind of overlap, and sometimes we even work together. Uh-huh. Um, the relocation advisor in the simple sense is um, whether you are here by yourself, single, with a partner, or with your family. Uh-huh. It's usually home, school, car, and maybe something extra, you know, depending on how much time the relocation advisor has. Um, it's actually not that I don't do those because I do all of those. In the beginning, we said, you know, and I have to say I said because I'm used to it's been, you know, since January, we've gone 100 um, percent. What happens is once the person gets the key to the apartment or to the home, they say goodbye to the relocation advisor and, and then they have 100 questions. Yeah. And um, I saw it when we moved with my parents. I saw it when I moved by myself, mm-hmm. um, especially if you do not um, speak the language. There are niche questions. First of all, the way I work is I scan uh, quite a large area around the area where you live, which mm-hmm. means that within a very short time, I know exactly who's there. Mm-hmm. I won't go into super details. I'll give my uh, gimmick away. Mm-hmm. But it's, I could pretty much um, tell you about your neighborhood, maybe a little bit more than you can. Well, definitely more than you can before you even live there. Right. Um, because the idea is to make a bridge. So what do I do that a relocation advisor doesn't do is I'm your shadow Mm. with, um, depending on, and if you would like me to, I could give you an example of maybe Mm. my, my last uh, clients. Um, we have in July, we have the Olympic, um, the athletic, excuse me, European championships here in Amsterdam. Uh Um, recently I was contacted by a sponsor for two of the athletes Mm -hmm. Um, both different countries, um, staying in the same area, actually the same apartment. And the first sentence that was on top of the email is all we want them to do is train, Mm. which means that 24 seven, they're obviously working out, they're Mm -hmm. thinking about their diet and they're doing their regiment Mm -hmm. and they wanted everything around that being taken care of. Mm -hmm. Now, when you have a niche client, um, I remember one of them um, came and had a gorgeous apartment, top floor of an apartment building, mm-hmm. had a mattress on the floor, mind you, brand new mattress, um, <laughs> had a refrigerator, um, which I think maybe one shelf had some beer, which I don't know if athletes are supposed to drink beer. Oh, but of course, they're people. You won't mind if I tell you. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it hardly had anything because he told me, he goes, well, I work out and then, you know, I either eat at the facility or, you know, mm. I don't cook. Yeah. Um, besides that, there was a big screen TV with, you know, some games on there. And the story was, I said, well, what do you do in the weekends? Oh, it was work out. What do you do in the evenings? Work out and train. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually what I do is I design his private life and make a bridge from, and this happens to be an English person, from England to what he did there to what he did now. Mm. Um, a result being about, a week and a half later, we had bought some furniture because he has an apartment in London mm-hmm. and we had um, some of the things he loved. We actually, and I'm trying to think, oh, 
it will be a while before this comes out, so I can tell it now. Yeah. He joined he joined a club, a running club. They didn't know he was an Olympic athlete. So we actually laughed to death when when we got apps in the evening saying they're so slow. <laughs> Because it was running slowly. But at the end of the week and a half, uh, I received a real nice photo which uh, showed that he had invited some of the guys from the uh, running club to his house and said, we're sitting at your dining table. Jeez, obviously. Yes. Uh, we didn't cook, but we're sitting here creating you know, yeah. a new uh, friendly life. So that to me is the biggest compliment. And yeah. that's where I differ. So that's that's what you basically what you then if you, if I would summarize it using my own words you you have increased the quality of of this person's life then yeah it's yeah. it's the idea it's the um, it's keeping people from um, you know some people actually have a lot of problems and not only the people that are moving here for their job but their family their partner some people uh, give up jobs you mm -hmm. know to travel with their partner it's kind of creating a bridge between your old life and your new life. Now for you, for, yes, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's a very important part, but I, I will definitely, uh, you know, save it for you for later maybe. But uh, because that's a thing, quality of life, no matter where you are, is very important. Yes, I, yeah, of course. I, I mean, like I, that's, that's, it's, op it's an open door, so that makes good sense. It's for years I've, I've been hearing that um, the expat community is getting smaller and smaller. Companies, expatriation is expensive. It doesn't always work out. And if it doesn't work out, it's even more expensive. Is that is that like a an, like an up and down wave? Is that is the mar is that market increasing again, or is it has it just never never shrunk at all? The market is actually increasing. If you're thinking about, let's take Amsterdam right yeah. now, twenty one percent of what's coming into Amsterdam are Indian people, okay. and this is because of the IT companies that are setting up um, have set up their main hub in India, but are coming and doing so much business to the Netherlands that they need to come and meet their clients, and some of them end up uh, bringing a second location in Amsterdam. Wow. Um, the other uh, areas, which obviously are predominantly around Amsterdam, are getting filled up, but I can see with my clients where it used to be uh, uh, that some of them would like to go to The Hague or to Amstelveen mm -hmm. or different areas, depending on where your company is, things are going specifically back to the city. Now, as far as the Netherlands and expats here, mm -hmm. we had a decrease of people uh, right after 9-11. Yeah. And um, you can hear, and, and people were not taking risks, yeah. uh, whether it's 9-11 or whether now, you know, the Brexit has thrown a, a lot of um, problems into business life, mm -hmm. um, sadly for England, but good for, uh, you know, the Netherlands, because yes, that yeah. means we are uh, the next best thing, so to speak. Um, these last few years, people have started coming to uh, the Netherlands on what's called a local contract. And that's something which is new from the past few years, mm -hmm. because it used to be that, yes, there were amounts up to $40,000, uh, you know, being um, allowed for just a relocation, depending on, you know, obviously what your position was. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of privately owned and a lot of new tech companies are moving to the Netherlands. And I'll tell you another area is um, the universities, which to me was completely new. Um, some of my first clients are professors from universities. They come and go like crazy. Oh, okay. So I've just given one of my best tips away. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think markets indeed develop in areas that you might not expect as well. In no. in um, I've always said that the um, in my workshops and lectures, I I say the. The Dutch are not tolerant. The, the Dutch are, um, I mean, we've marketed this, this word tolerance really well, right? You, you mm-hmm. can do whatever you want in this, in this, in the Netherlands and Amsterdam. If I ask stereotypes about the Dutch, they always come up with the sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of thing and the orange and the cheese, etc. Mm-hmm. And, and the tolerant, the liberal thinking as well. Is, is, is that true about the Dutch? Are we tolerant or are we just indifferent? Do we just don't care? You don't do your thing. I do my thing. You know, don't bother me. I, it, it's definitely the latter. Sorry to uh-huh. say. I noticed it because I've been gone for, for many years and I came back and I saw how it even um, how it changed in such, you know, a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a thing in Holland, as you know, the sentence. Let me see if I can say it in Dutch. Um, what is it? Niet, do niet gek. Don't do, you know, just do normal. Be yeah, normal. do maar gewoon, dan doe je gek genoeg. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. See, I can't even say it in Dutch now. <laughs> um, which is exactly uh, what the Dutch have, which means, you know, do normal, don't overdo it. Anybody that goes out of that comfort zone, yeah. uh, whether it's American people, whether it's French people, Italian, Spanish, you know, um, people who like to, to show they're enjoying life, they're like, okay, down, you know, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Whether yeah. and from all the other nationalities that I hear, um, I hear the most made comment is that um, sometimes they find people. Uh, how do I say this politically correct? The Dutch, I'm thinking. Um, well, almost as if they're angry sometimes, and right. it's yeah. it's. I think it's the Nordic thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like you it. know, which is something, especially obviously, if you're coming from the Latino countries, or if you're you're coming, you know, from from the United States or Australia, or America. Everyone has their own thing. Um, it is it is an example that I've I've had you know dinners with clients after we have worked together, and we're in a restaurant, and I realize that we're laughing and we're laughing pretty loud. And you mm-hmm. see, sometimes you see people. Is that looking at you? Is that really necessary? Yes. And I think, oh right, I'm in Holland. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't you can't laugh out loud. Not it's not the American way, because then no. we know the stereotypes about the Americans. No, that's hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, is there any? Could you indicate any culture that has particularly difficulties uh, in adapting to the Netherlands, to, to the to living in the Netherlands? It's not so much that there are cultures which uh, have difficulties adapting. Uh, there are certain cultures, uh, such as the Japanese and such as the Indian people, which we obviously respect, that take their own culture with them. They literally take sometimes a nanny with them mm-hmm. or, um, you know, if there are any special needs within the family, uh, because they have religious wishes they have, um, you know, especially uh, in, in the Indian um, society, there are different castes mm-hmm. and then there are different normalities. And instead of reinventing the wheel, so to speak, mm-hmm. they'd rather keep it concise and client. Um, I love um, my Japanese clients, but I do also know as they like to transfer information from people within their um, their company or within their family or, you know, mm-hmm. within the small crowd, which we definitely respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the number thing, the one thing, uh, if you ask me what differs me from the relocation company, um, I have had a father who was very interested in 
the international business etiquette. He was a banker. Mm -hmm. And when my brother and I were young, I remember and we were still uh, just traveling. We would always have a lot of business people over for barbecues at house because uh, deals are being made done, you know, in your bathing suit or during a cup of coffee, um, you know, depending on with which country and culture you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But, um, that is the thing that's number one to be most respected is to make sure you know the cultural etiquette, whether it's business or private, before you deal with an international client. Yes, which is which is not easy because every country has their <coughs> their specifics, its its own etiquettes, I guess. It's true. Excuse me, I just took a sip. No, I was just thinking uh, about the true. Indians as well. I mean, if you bring your own nanny, and if if you if if are you you're not really ad adapting to any of the Dutch culture, but you are here in the Netherlands. No, but I think I think that's to be respected because everyone has a different wish. Uh -huh. um, I think number one thing is to make sure you cannot help anyone else. First of all, you you'd want to you know you want to make sure that you can give extra service. And what happens usually within the first few days, um, I become uh, quite close to the family. Um, you know, there is a, a confidentiality within, you know, obviously the client, um, customer, client, whatever you'd like to call. Yeah. And I respect that. I yes. respect where the boundaries are. I think it's very important, number one rule, to listen to what is needed and also what they do not want. Okay. Yeah, I'm letting it sink in as well. And then... But you can't, I was thinking about the relocation. The relocation uh, people come first, then you come. But you can't peep, you can't hold hands, you can't hold these people's hands forever and ever. When, when do you let them go? When, when, when are, when can they be on their own, so to speak? Making well, air quotes here. I have to correct you because sometimes the relocation advisor comes and I come afterwards. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the relocation advisor doesn't come because they decide they want it personal or it could also be, If it's a, a business client or for the company and this person, say, for example, is being bought out, mm -hmm. it is a quiet thing. Mm -hmm. Then I am, um, you know, um, with the client, confidentiality, make sure he gets the house, make sure he gets the business, does everything quietly because he might be bought out. I mean, you know, those are different things. When uh, your, your question was, when do I start and when do I stop? Well, basically, when when do you let them go? When do you say, "Well, I think you're you're good enough. I think you can you can be on your own," so to speak. It's funny. It usually happens the other way around because once we start, they usually have a hundred thousand more things and questions. Uh -huh. So I let go when they say they are done. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so they they indicate. Yeah. 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 For for yourself, Audrey, what's the most difficult culture to work with for you? Hmm. I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> not difficult. I mean, not that's not bad. I mean, I guess from from my experience, what I hear in my workshops and own experience as well is um, that for for many Westerns, many Western Europeans, that is, Japanese are the most difficult people to work with. And I need to add to that immediately. That's that says nothing about the Japanese. It says everything about their about the gap, the differences that is there. So it's it's not that Japanese are are bad. It is just it's we go we don't get it. We don't understand it. We as in Westerns. So and and I find many uh, Western Europeans agreeing with me on on that statement. Like it's it's the most difficult culture to work with. Um, mm -hmm. So th that's that's where my question comes from. I under I definitely understand. To answer first of all, I'll tell you. Um, 
my way, I have not had a difficult client yet. Uh, and I've had uh, one Japanese family. Um, and so I can tell you, uh, I knew before I started working with them, and it was a short amount of time. You know, I think oh. it was only about three days. Yeah. Um, I knew exactly what they would like, and I knew from the company, because that's the company that contacted me, uh, where my borders were. Yeah. And because I definitely did not cross the borders, and um, Japanese clients, you know, exactly – They'd like you to do from A to Z or A to B and then stop there and then they thank you very much. You don't need to ask anything else. So that's very clear. Yeah. And for me, uh, it doesn't matter where you're from. I need to know where the boundaries are. How far do you want to go? This is something you indicate. You can change the boundaries, uh, which means that you could uh, hire me or ask me more. But mm -hmm. it could be that another company or another family is waiting so that I don't have the time. Sure. As far as difficulty – uh, or difficult nationalities. Um, I think it's not a thing with difficult nationalities. Uh, I think the difficulty is that um, because the wishes might be narrowed down, and it could be Japanese, it could be Indian people, that you don't get to maybe give as much service as you would like, but that's respecting the client. Yes, of course. Yeah, so, that, makes, that makes good sense, yes. That's where it is. Yeah, okay. All right, well, that's, that's just, yeah, sorry for putting you in that, in that spot. That was no, not, that was not my intention. Um, I don't get upset very easily. Uh, okay, excellent. Yeah, you're, 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 you're Dutch in, to some extent as well. So, <laughs> um, what's the other thing with that? I, that, that was on my mind. Yes. What's, what do you think is the most, um, often misunderstood aspect of Dutch culture? In other words, people, people come here, uh, so expats come here, and they think the Dutch are like this, but then it turns out the Dutch are actually not like that. So from an expat point of view, yes. what I think the, is the biggest misconception, good question. Um, I think it's not completely a misconception, mm -hmm. but um, they are amazed at how international the Dutch are. Okay. And obviously, it depends a little bit on where you are. I mean, the funny thing is that I heard the other day is that I love how international one country can be. And you can go on one side of the country and the people are Dutch and have never been out of their city. You can go the other, to the other side of the country or the other city. It's not that big. Um, and find people who have been all over the world. Yeah. And obviously, they are still uh, amazed at some of the, um, you know, rules which the expats make. That Holland is only known for its, you know... Uh, drug culture and prostitution, everything like that. Mm -hmm. They're still amazed, uh, but in a very good way, how this country can be so liberal. And we have yet, uh, you know, compared to the rest of the world, knock on wood, uh, how it works so well and we don't have that many problems. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We still have a good, I mean, the Dutch have a internationally, I guess, a good press still. It's a good, sure. I always say it's a good passport to have because you, it's, it's, it gives you access to a lot of, a lot of countries and, and people will look at you. And even if you sound American, if they tell you, if you tell them that actually, no, it's only the, the accent is, but I'm actually Dutch. Oh, you're Dutch. Okay. That's, that's okay then. Yeah. When they hear me speak, they start laughing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the, what's the weirdest thing you've ever experienced in your job? One of the things that really sticks out. I'll never forget it. It was there were my first clients a couple of years ago when mm -hmm. I first started, um, and they lived in um, Amstelveen, which is right outside of Amsterdam. They were Americans, and actually, they have moved back to the states after many years. Have become my dearest friends. Mm -hmm. um, we set them up in an apartment which did not have a, a, a roof, terrace, a balcony, or any outside. 
I walked in, in after um, having worked for them for a week, mm-hmm. and I walked in, and it was winter time, and he had the barbecue in the fireplace. Okay. <laughs> they, they were from Texas, yes. and he was grilling his steaks in the fireplace because he wanted steaks on the grill. He's like, where else do I do it? That's, that's actually, that's brilliant. That's not bad. Yeah. So it was hilarious, and I'll never forget it. And, um, you know, they're very good friends, and it was um, the fun. That's the way I love to think that everyone has their own sense of humor. Yes, 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 true. Good story. Excellent. Um, Audrey, we are, I'm looking at the, um, the recording time, um, a good 30 minutes in our um, in our podcast here. So I have two questions left for you, and one is the, always the most difficult one, at least for most people, that is. Can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent? Aha. Aha, that's the one. I don't think it's that difficult. Okay. Um, from an expat point of view, is your question? Yes. Yeah, well, from um, your perspective and maybe from an expat point of view. I think both. Number one would be get to know the locals, um, the local people. Um, you know, don't stay in your expat bubble. That would be number one. Um, I think number two is make sure that everyone, if you're traveling, you know, moving with one or more or the whole family, make sure everyone has a hobby or a sport or any activity, which means you get amongst the people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess number three is um, don't take too long to get adjusted, you know, figure out how things uh, work the Dutch way. The longer it takes to get adjusted, the more difficult adjusting becomes. So. I, so if I you, if you start right late, it, it gets more rigid. Uh, you get yeah. more rigid than you, you say. Yeah, you end up staying within the expat bubble and it, it becomes difficult. It becomes because people ask you, how long have you been here? You've already been here a year. And I, I don't know. I've heard from clients that, you know, I wish I would have known some things sooner. And that's, that's you know, sentence number one. Yeah. Do you find, the, are, there, are, there, are there cultures? I always speak in the word culture. That's my professional deformation. Of course. Um, are there cultures that... Um, refuse is the wrong word, but are more resistant that stay more in their in their expat bubble than other cultures. Well, the cultures, uh, you know, generally that have a very high. Um, I just talked about it before. I say, you know, people that do. It's not just Indian people. It's not just Japanese people. It's it could be any kind of person. It depends on the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people like to stay, you know, just within their own culture outside of their home country and that's fine but they do find that sometimes it's very difficult uh but it's also a choice yeah yes it does yes 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 all right audrey um last question the easiest one i promise how can people get in touch with you ah (laughs) people can contact me through the website www.expatinamsterdam.com and uh, they find all the information. We are working behind the scenes on the uh, website right now, so it will be renewed quite soon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, happy to have anybody and anybody that has any questions. There's a contact sheet right there okay. and some information. Expatinamsterdam.com? Com. Com, C-O-M, okay. Fantastic. That'll be in the show notes as well. I'm pretty sure, Audrey, that we will bump into each other at some fair somewhere in Amsterdam or, you know, uh, maybe in a cafe just um, having a, a plain, simple beer. Thank you very much for your time and have a great day. Thank you for having me, Chris. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Audrey. Like I said, no doubt we'll bump into each other in Amsterdam uh, anytime soon since I do occasionally still come to uh, to that 
great city in Amsterdam. This is the end of the Culture Matters podcast, episode number 64. I'll be back in two weeks' time with another guest, of course, episode number 65. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Ciao. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences.